to everyone today. If you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you. We're so happy to have you in service with us today. And if you're joining us online, wherever you're joining us from, we welcome you as a part of this service today as well. And uh, to all of our pre-pause guests here today, we welcome you. And, uh, probably be a few more here this evening, and uh, going to be a great week. Amen. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. The story, if you've heard hardly anything about the Bible, you've got some familiarity with the story. I'm going to start there this morning. Daniel 6, beginning with verse number 11. Then these men assembled, these men being some rulers that had plotted and schemed because they were envious and jealous of Daniel and working against them. The king made a decree that for 30 days you couldn't pray to any other god besides him. So Daniel just kept doing what he normally did. Verse 11 says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Then they came near and spake before the king concerning the king's decree. Hast thou not signed a decree that every man that shall ask a petition of any god or man within thirty days save of thee, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which altereth not. Then answereth they, said before the king that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but maketh his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard the word, when he heard these words, was sure, was sore, displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and the Persians is that no decree nor statute which is which the king establisheth may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I wonder if he said that because he knew the story of three Hebrew children that were thrown into the fiery furnace and came through. He says, your God will deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and when the signet of his Lord and with the signet of his lords that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him and his sleep went from him then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions and when he came to the den he cried with a with a lamentable voice unto Daniel and the king spake and said to Daniel O Daniel servant of the living God is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions then said Daniel unto the king O king Live forever. 
My God had sent his angel and had shut the lion, shut the lion's mouths that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then was the king exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. And the king commanded they brought those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of the lions and just in case you think that the lions den, the lions den Daniel was thrown into was just a bunch of old decrepit worn out lions it says they threw these men and their children and their wives and the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. The Living Bible says it this way, in case you're not quite understanding it. The king issued a command to bring them who had accused Daniel and threw them into the den along with their children and wives. And the lions leaped upon them and tore them apart before they even hit the bottom of the den. So I want to preach to you for a little bit this morning this subject and you'll understand it in a few minutes but I want to preach to you today just as if just as if God I pray that your word would be mixed with faith in some hearts and lives here today Lord your word tells us that if we don't mix it if we don't mix what we hear with faith it's not going to benefit us it's not going to profit us But I pray, God, that there would be a mixture of your word with faith. Lord, thank you that according to what your word says, it's it's not some huge amount of faith that we've got to have. If we've just got a mustard seed of faith, we can say to a mountain, be removed. So I pray this morning, God, that there would at least be a mustard seed of faith released to be mixed with your word this morning that it can profit us today. Speak to us today, God. I trust you again this morning, Lord. I don't want to just preach a sermon as a part of this service, but I want to be a messenger to deliver a word from you, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I I just want to state clearly, and I know I'm not the only one here, but I'm just going to state clearly, I believe this book. I believe this book with everything in me. And I know there are some things that are figurative. They are figurative. They're, they're, not, they're, they're symbols, they're types. But, but there's a whole lot of things that are not figurative. And I believe that this is one of those stories that's not figurative. I've, unfortunately, I think a lot of times today we read and we hear the Word of God through the filter of Hollywood. And I mean that in this context, when you sit and watch a movie, I, 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 there, there's, I think there's been like two or three times in movies that I've ever cried. And I live with people. I cry in movies. The only movies that I've ever cried or snuck a tear for. Years ago, I had sinus surgery, I, I was recovering from surgery and my nostrils were all packed with gauze. Some of you have had that surgery. It's not 
an enjoyable experience. And we were sitting in the room that I was in, recovering, a recliner that I was sleeping and sitting in for several days. And I forget the movie, um, Courageous. Courageous had come out. We hadn't seen it yet. So we were all sitting as a family watching Courageous. And as I'm sitting there, my stopped-up, stuffy nose was causing me every now and then to... My family all was like, is Dad crying? No, I'm not crying. I, I, I don't have a problem if you cry. I'm just saying my mind is, especially, you know, these romantic movies that are all just made up. And, oh, my God. It's fake. But you invest your imagination in it to the point your emotions are... And, and we know, we know that it's... It's just not real. I'll never forget when 9-11 happened, sitting, and as I initially began to watch video and TV coverage of that, we had, just not too long before that, we had just happened to watch some movie, and the gist of the movie was about this earthquake in New York, and New York City was just devastated by this earthquake. And I remember sitting there having to sort of tell myself, this is not a movie. This is really happening. This isn't just special effects. This is really going on. And I think a lot of people look at the Word of God. Yeah, well, no. I believe that God said, let there be light, and there was light. I, I believe that there was a man that was thrown off of a ship and was swallowed and spent three days in a whale. I, I, believe, I believe all of it. And I believe this story. And I believe the same God that delivered Daniel that night is the same God that you and I are worshiping here today. And you may be, but I'm not volunteering to be thrown into a lion's den. But I believe the same God that delivered Daniel from that lion's den can deliver you and I from our lion's den. Daniel's thrown in, spends the night in the lion's den. The king, king comes and finds out what, what happened, what didn't happen. And Daniel is, I don't know, can we use our imaginations for a moment? If you say no, then don't ever watch another movie again. I just, I just kind of imagine that Daniel spent the night cuddled up. I, I, really, I don't think he spent the night over in the corner of the den, huddled in the corner. I, I think it probably was a little bit nippy in that, in that den, and so he just decided, I got me a fur blanket right here. Probably had one of them for a pillow. And The king shows up, and I, I, I think he had his fingers crossed. King shows up, isn't it kind of funny? At first, he says, Your God will deliver you. And then he shows up and he asks, Did your God deliver you? And Daniel responds and says, Yeah, I'm, I'm good. In fact, I don't even have one scratch, I don't even have one mark. I don't even have one piece of evidence to prove 
where I was. In essence, it was just as if he hadn't been in a lion's den. Can you imagine when he started telling people his story? I can tell you this morning about a couple of years ago, the first time I ever used a table saw and had too close of an encounter with a table saw. I can show you my scar. I I can show you the scar. I got some other scars I can show you that are proof. Wow. Hey, guess what? I spent the night in a den of lions. Yeah, let me see. Show me. There's got to be some scratches. There's got to be some teeth marks. I'm sorry. I can't show you. I can tell you where I was. Because it's just as if. I've come to preach to somebody this morning that some of you are in the lion's den right now and some of you are going through it right now. I've come to declare to you today if you'll just hold on and keep your trust in God, there's going to be a day you can look back and it's going to be just as if. Not a single scratch to prove where he was. I understand some of you just come through it and it's still fresh and you're still dealing with the trauma of what you went through. I was just thinking about it standing up here during worship. Most of you didn't have the experience two years ago to stand in this sanctuary with just a worship team on the platform and all the seats empty. As we led service and led worship and preached and did everything that I believe we're supposed to do. And we did all of that with empty chairs. But I got to tell you, I got to work hard to remember that. It's almost, almost. It's almost just as if. And I wonder if God never really wants us to fully forget the things we went through because we are supposed to look back at them not as a source of condemnation, not as a source of guilt and shame, but when I look back at what I went through, key word, what I went through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Preaching to some people this morning that can be, that are living testimonies that you can reach the point. It's just as if. I'm preaching this morning. Some of the some of those that you're sitting around this morning are from former drug addicts and former alcoholics and former criminals and 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 somebody here probably was homeless at some point. You don't see that now. You don't recognize that now because it's just. As if. Paul said it this way. And such were some of you. But you've been washed. You've been justified. You've been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. And all things have become new. 
I already referenced it, but I'm going to read a little bit of it. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 24. Similar thing, the king has made a decree. This decree, this decree says when the music plays, everyone is supposed to bow down and worship Nebuchadnezzar. And it happened, the music played, and everybody bowed because there was a great threat if you didn't bow. But there was three guys that did not bow, and they bring them before the king, and the king gives them one more chance. They respond and they say, our God can deliver us. But if he does not, we will still not bow. So the king instructed for them to be thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible says that they made it seven times hotter. In fact, the Bible says a couple of verses before, I think, I don't think I have it in the verses I'm about to read, but a couple of verses before it says that it was so hot that those that were that threw them into the fire were killed by the fire. But these three guys are thrown in, verse 24, Daniel 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They said unto, and they answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. First, verse 24 said, didn't we throw three men in bound? Verse 25 says, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. But, but, but there's, something, there's something different about the fourth one, though. We threw in three, but there's a fourth one, and the fourth one is like the Son of God. Isn't it amazing? The devil wants you to think when you're in the fire, God has abandoned you. The devil wants you to think and causes you to to fear that when you're in your trial, that means God has forsaken you. According to what I just read to you, God met them in the fire. They're standing around before the king and they're saying, you know what, we're not going to bow and our God can deliver us. In that moment, he didn't say, wait a minute, I, I thought there was only three of you. It wasn't until they got in the fire. If you're avoiding the fire that God's got for you today, you might be invo- avoiding your encounter with him. If you're trying to stay out of the furnace in your life, you might be missing a divine appointment. Because I don't know about you, but I have found most of the time where God meets me is in the trouble. The psalmist said he is a very present help in the trouble. I I, I see four. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captives, and the kings, counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power. Nor was an hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats 
changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. It was just as if, it was just as if they had never been, that, that, that's another one that, I mean, come on, you would at least expect. You're telling me you were in the fire. I was in the fire. You're, you're telling me the king had it cranked up so hot, other guys lost, yeah, it was, where's your burn marks? I don't have any. Let me, let, where's your clothes? Anybody ever had a fire in your house and it was, it was such that you, you couldn't get the smell out of the stuff. You just had to get rid of it. They didn't even smell. I'm preaching to some people this morning that you are currently under the cloud of what you're going through. But I've come to tell you today, if you'll just not be weary in well-doing, and if you'll just keep trusting in the Lord, there's coming a day that you're going to look back and it's going to be just as if you never went through it. Where, where's the proof? Oh, yeah, I can just, you just got to take my word for it. I want some evidence. I don't have any evidence because it's, it's as if. It's as if. I got to tell you, though, there, there are, you know, not, not every person. I, I'm, we love this. We sing it. I love the song. It's one of, my, one of my favorite newer songs. When I walk through the fire, I will not feel the flame. I, you know what? I just, I just, it just hit me as I was reading this. It says they didn't smell like smoke. Their clothes weren't burned. It doesn't say it wasn't hot. It may have still, there may have still been some degree of discomfort. But I'm also just going to be real with you today and tell you not everybody that goes through the fire doesn't get burned a little bit. Some of us end up with some scars from the fire. I got a question for you. When Thomas had been told that Jesus was risen and he had not seen him yet, and he tells the disciples, until I see him for myself, I'm not, I'm not going to believe. What was the evidence that Thomas was looking for? Thomas was looking to see some scars. Do you know, God is, God is sovereign. God can do anything. And I believe God could have created the human body so that when it was cut and wounded, it could heal in such a way that you would not know. You wouldn't see the scars. He could have done that. He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do, and there's nothing He, he, he got the power to do at all. And yet he chose that there would be scars. But I think the reason is this. Scars oftentimes, especially figuratively, scars oftentimes are a negative thing to us. But I think it's just a matter of perspective. 
Because when I look at scars, what I can also look at is the things that I came through. The reason I've got a scar is because I was injured, but I'm now healed. Oh, hallelujah. Some of you need to make up your mind from this day forward when the enemy comes along trying to point out your scars and make them a source of guilt and shame. You need to respond and say, hold on just a minute. Actually, let me just show you my scars because here's the deal. I've got scars of mistakes and failures that I've come through. God has healed me, forgiven me, delivered me. You you made one mistake and it's all over for you. So you want to talk about my scars? Yeah. Let me show you my scars Because they are a part of my testimony Of the grace and the mercy of God The Bible tells us that when we repent When God forgives us There's two different basic things that it tells us One is that He casts our sin Into the sea of forgetfulness Are there any Wives, you are not allowed, if he's next to you, to be elbowing your husband on this next question. Are there any forgetful people here today? Are there any honest people here today? Are there any 50-plus-year-olds today? Because I'm getting con- get convinced more and more. This is a part of it. That's a part of life. But here's the deal. You and I, most of the time when we forgot something, it wasn't intentional. I shared it before, and maybe I'll be a blessing to somebody today, help you out. I got a little life hack for you. Every now and then I do it up here at the church. If I've got something I'm supposed to be taking home, especially if I had to pick up something from the grocery store and it's supposed to take it home. You know how many times I've gotten almost all the way home and forgotten so now I just stick my key in the refrigerator right by what I'm supposed to take. I know some of you that wouldn't be good because you wouldn't be able to remember where you put the key. But at least for right now, I can still remember where the key is. We don't, we, m- most of the time when we're talking about what we forgot, it was unintentional. I'm glad you're a kind and understanding man. I was supposed to go speak at AACC Tuesday or Wednesday at 2.30. I think about 10 o'clock, we had a funeral here. And Brother Mike McGurk says, aren't you supposed to speak at AACC today? Yeah, I am. And so I hear some of you, you should have put it in your calendar. It was. Here's the deal. You and I forget oftentimes unintentionally. God, the one who knows all things and never forgets, chooses. Chooses to forget your sin when you repent. Another way it says it is, He casts our sins as far as the east is from the west. I know some of you heard this before, but I just got to say it again in case somebody hasn't. If you and I got in an airplane today with an unlimited supply of fuel, if we started flying north, 
what would we eventually reach? The North Pole. I don't believe in them, but it's Christmas time. You ought to be thinking of it. <laughs> you reach the North Pole, and then when you reach the North Pole, if you keep going, then what are you doing? You're now heading south, and you go south for long enough, you're going to reach. Get in the same airplane with an infinite supply of fuel. Start flying east. When? Are you going to start flying west? There is no defined point. There is a defined point between north and south. But there's no defined point between east and west. So God says, when I forgive you, I am casting your sins so far from me, there's never even a point to get to where they are. But here is the problem and oftentimes our struggles. How many of you sitting here today have asked God to forgive you of something and you believe He's forgiven you of it, but you still remember it? All the hands that didn't get raised are either asleep or paralyzed. Which is oftentimes the reason why we struggle with believing that God forgave us. Because I remember what I did. But there is no place in all of the Bible that promises us that we would ever forget what we did. So when the enemy shows up and you're trying to worship and pray and trust God and he's Josh what, what you, you, you shouldn't be, don't you remember what you did do you remember that mistake you make what do we normally what we do is oh yeah you're right man I better sit down when what we're supposed to do is you know what thank you for reminding me of that Because that's just a good reminder of how great the forgiveness of God is. And that's just a good reminder of how effective the blood of Jesus is. That while I may remember what I did, the one who matters the most doesn't remember anymore. Joel chapter 2 verse number 23 says this. Be glad, there, be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For He hath given you the former rain moderately, and He will cause to come down for you the, the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I have sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed and you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else and my people shall never be ashamed. He said I'm going to restore everything that the enemy has tried to steal from you. Listen to what listen to what uh, 
Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary says about that. He says, I, I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillars and the palmer worm. In Joel 1 and 4, the palmer worm or the, or the gnawing locust stood first. Here it stands last. Otherwise, the same order is retained as in Joel 1 4. The palmer worm, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar where God will restore not only what has been lost by the swarming locusts and the licking locusts and the consuming locusts and the most destructive species, but also the minor losses sustained by the gnawing locust. Anybody today just got some little, little gnawing things? They're not necessarily big things, but they're, they're just little gnawing things that have stolen. God has said, I, I will restore. I will. Re- I got a question. Is there anybody here that's got a, got some testimonies today of some things that it's just as if? It's just as if you never went through it. it it's j- oh yeah, it happened, and you know it happened, but it, it didn't destroy you. I, there's a whole lot of people here today. You don't look like what you've been through. You don't look like today what you've been through in the past because if you look like what you went through, you look a whole lot different than you look today. So I may not look like what I've been through, but you better believe me, I still went through it. Luke chapter 15, verse number 20. And he, this is speaking of the prodigal son, He'd come and ask his father for his inheritance. He goes off and he wastes it all. He, he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, but the father said to his servants, In essence, I'm going to read what he said, but in essence, what he said was, don't listen to what he's saying. Ignore what he's saying. He's not just going to be a servant. I'm not going to turn my son into a hired hand. He said, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. They begin to celebrate the fact that he was lost, but now he's found. In just a moment, All of the evidence of the pig pen was gone. In just a moment. See, when he was was coming to, and and according to that, I just read it again a couple different translations this morning, he, he, he didn't eat what he was feeding the pigs. The Bible says, Paraphrasing the King James, when he was getting ready to eat, he was so hungry, he was about to eat what he was feeding the pigs. And the moment he was about to feed the, or eat what he was feeding the pigs, he came to himself. He said, you know what? The servants 
the servants in my father's house have it better than I do right here. So he went back to the father's house. With a, a reduced expectation. I, I, I can't be who I was in a positive sense. I, I, I can't be what I was. I'm, I'm going to have to accept something less. But that wasn't the Father's perspective. And in just a matter of moments, all the evidence was gone. All of those that didn't see him when he first came home, they didn't know about all the dirt from the pig pen. They didn't know about all the stains in his garments from the, from the mud, from the pigs. It was all gone and he was covered with a new robe. He had new shoes, he had a new ring which represented authority. The only place where there was a struggle was in his mind. Because to everybody else it was just as if. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit reluctant to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Rebecca, it's just as if. I don't care what the enemy may say. It's just as if. It's just as if. Can I tell somebody else this morning, when you repented, and when you mess up again, and you repent again to God, it's just as if. just as if it's just as if I, I think my dad's the first person I ever heard use it when he was preaching and I've used it numerous times if you go to God and you repent for, for what you've done you ask him to forgive you and he forgives you but then usually what happens most of us we still struggle trusting and believing that he forgave us so what do we do we go back to God we start all over again. God, I'm sorry for what I know I shouldn't have. Please forgive me. The first time you came and repented for what you did, God knew exactly what you were talking about. And when you asked Him to forgive you, He forgave you. But now, you go back to ask forgiveness for what He forgave you of, And you start to repent, and this time his response is, what are you talking about? And instead of being smart, intelligent people, and just simply saying, oh, never mind. Strike that, never, never, I don't know what I was thinking, God, forget that. What do we do? Well, you know. You know, I did this, and we rehearse it all again. And God's sitting there going, I don't know what you're talking about. That's still traveling east. 
Why do we want to remind God of what He's forgotten? Again, I know the devil, that, that's the other thing. You never promised the devil forgets. The only one who forgets is the one that matters the most. The devil can't judge me. That's the pot calling the kettle black. And we give in to that. The one that messed up and can never be forgiven, we let him convince us that what God did. I think I heard some people asking, what's a pot calling kettle black? Go, go Google it. gave you a new robe. I, I put a new ring on your, I gave you new shoes. Here's the sad thing. We spend so much time trying to undo and outlive what we did that's under the blood. Can you imagine what it was like for the Apostle Paul to stand before a group of people telling them about God ministering to them looking at people who were probably directly affected by who he was as Saul there probably were some loved ones there of people he was responsible for being persecuted you mean to tell me he didn't have to stand there with the enemy going through his mind? How do you think you can stand here and speak to How do you think you can tell them about the goodness of God? How do you think you can tell them about the love of God with regard to all you did? So I'm here to tell you today, I've just finished up a couple of days ago rereading all of Paul's epistles. And man, there is some amazing stuff in there. If the man that who was the enemy of the church could now write all of that by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Please tell me what you have done. That is worse than what Paul did. And so if Paul did that and God did that through Paul, then God can make it for you just as if you never did what you did. So here's the deal. You know what? I, I'm not here today telling you. Some of you here, you've got, naturally speaking, you've got evidence. i got a question. What if in this life, all of the evidence never is wiped away that it's just as if? Well, at the end of the day, this life is just temporary. So, so how about this? 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51 Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory O death where is thy sting O grave where is thy victory 
the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. When it matters the most, it will be just as if. We had a funeral on Wednesday of a precious saint of God, Sister Donya Fox. Been a part of the Maryland, D.C. district that we're a part of for as long as I think going back at least to my teen years. Well known throughout our district, well known by many others and and she, she just passed away uh, a little over a week ago now. She had spent, I believe, I don't know if somebody help me if you know, I think she had spent a couple of years, if I'm not, the last couple of years she had spent uh, in a rehabilitation center up in Glen Burnie. I think she had MS, I think. Bedridden. What was so amazing, I, I've... I've heard about it, but several people told stories of it on the, in the in the in the funeral on Sunday. Her husband would he would be just a couple of weeks ago was at Maryland D.C. District gather on a Friday night, and and he would FaceTime and he'd walk around with his camera with her on FaceTime, and she's laying there in that hospital bed, but a big old smile on her face, just as happy as can be, just as not bitter, not resentful. There was there was. I think four different people, four or five different people mentioned at the funeral the other day that while she has been in the rehabilitation center, she's responsible for them getting baptized and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. She hasn't just laid there being bitter. She hasn't just laid there questioning and mad at God. In fact, her dad told this, and boy, I tell you, if we could get a hold of this little nugget, it'd make the whole day worth it. She said... I think she said one day she was asking God, why me? But then the answer that came out of that was, why not me? Why not me? Wait a minute, God, if you'll trust me to go through this, if you'll, if you'll allow me to walk through this, why not me? But I got to tell you, and I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it one more time. I believe this book with everything in it. She's no longer like she was. It's as if MS had never been in her body. Some of you battling sickness today and you're hoping and believing and trusting God to heal you. And I hope and believe He heals you. But even if He doesn't, there's still going to be a day that it is as if you never had it. <laughs> Revelation says it this way. Revelation 21 in verse number 5. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. 
And he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God. And God. Not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, not your parents, not your best friend. And God shall wipe away all tears. That's going to be pretty cool. That's going to be really cool. God's going to say, hey, hang on a moment. Let me get a Kleenex for you. Let me, let me take care of that for you. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. What a day, what a glorious day that will be. So if I can reach the point down here where it's just as if, thank you, Jesus. But even if it's not until that day, there's coming a day where it's going to be just as if I never went through it. After all that Joseph had gone through, betrayal, Slavery, imprisonment, separated from his family. He says to his brothers, What you meant for evil, God meant for good. The weapon may be formed. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. We see the weapon the enemy forms and we go into panic mode. God, you said there would be no weapon formed. No, he didn't. He didn't say there would be no weapon formed against you. In fact, what he said was, there would be weapons formed against you. He said the weapon will be formed, but it won't prosper. Man, I don't mean this with any form of sympathy. I'm just going to say it this way. The devil's got a really bad job. Because everything he does, it just all plays into God's purpose. If they had known who Jesus was, they would not have crucified the King of Glory. I was reading the other day, I think it was in Jeremiah, where it talks a little bit about, I mean, it was talking about Pharaoh. No, I think it was Paul in Romans talking about Pharaoh. We all read Pharaoh and all that Pharaoh did. God used Pharaoh. I don't care who's in D.C. I don't care who controls the house. I don't care who controls, I don't care, because I know the one that controls it all. Last verses, and I'm, I'm quitting. Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified, just as if. 
when you sin and repent and God forgives you, it's just as if you never did it. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. I think Paul just got surgery and was still on anesthesia when he said that. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Now watch this. And hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto The, amplif the Amplified Bible says it this way. Such hope. Such hope. Such hope. Any, anybody got such hope today? Such hope. Not, not just frivolous, wishful thinking. We think of hope as a wish. Blow out the candles, make a wish. Blow out the candles, hope. That's not what the word hope in the Bible means. The word hope in the Bible is confident expectation. Because it is an expectation that is not based on what I thought of. It is an expectation based on what the Word of God has said or what the Spirit has quickened to me. It is a confident expectation. Such hope, such hope, never, never, never. I was, I was talking, maybe get carnal on you, forgive me. I was, I was talking to Brother Eugene before service. We always... This time of year, we like to talk a little football before church. I know some of y'all too spiritual for that, but pray for me. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan. Yeah. I know some of y'all are a fan of one of them teams that can't make up their mind who they are, but I just, just a good old Cowboys fan. How you how yeah, well, you live in Maryland. You got the Redskins, you got the Ravens. Well, it's my dad's fault. My dad now gets mad at me because I'm a Cowboys fan. He's the one that started it. Roger Staubach, who went to the Naval Academy, played for the Cowboys. And so your boy's looking good. Yeah, right now. I don't have confident expectations. Because it's one thing to do good in the season. It's another thing to do good in the playoffs. I'm not talking about wishful thinking. I'm talking about what you've got a confident expectation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. Why? Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Such hope. We used to, years ago, I know some of you remember. Years ago, we'd, 
Mother Wright on the organ here. I have hope when troubles come my way. I have hope when Jesus leads the way. I have hope, oh yes, when things are not well with me. I have hope, it's a beautiful hope that sets me free. Such hope never disappoints. I know I've, I know I've done this numerous times, and I'm, I'm going to do this as I try to quit, but humor me again, some of you. How many of you are going through something right now that is the, it's, it seems like, it feels like the most difficult thing, the worst thing you've ever been through? Anybody? Got a couple. Got a couple. Do me a favor, those of you that just put your hand up, would you keep it up for just a second? Would you do me a favor? I want you to think back. The last big thing you went through, wasn't that like the worst thing you'd ever been through? Yeah, you can put your hands high. Yeah. So this is now the worst thing you, and it probably is. It probably is the most difficult thing. And that last thing that felt like the most difficult thing ever, it probably was the most difficult thing you had ever been through. Keyword, through. So think back to some of the thoughts you had on the last thing. Because the thoughts you had on the last big thing are the same thoughts you're having on the new big thing. Same thoughts. Where are you, God? Are you going to fix this? Are you going to help me? Are you going to heal me? Are you going to say, are you going to come through? Are you going to, same thoughts. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how, same thoughts. Except now what you can do is go back. Because tribulation worketh patience, patience, experience, experience, hope. So now I'm in the new thing, but wait a minute. I got some experience. Because I endured some things that were difficult before but God brought me through all of that and it's as if I never went through it so I don't know how I don't know when I don't know who he's going to use but somehow he's now going to bring me through this that kind of hope never disappears I got an Orioles t-shirt. I got an Orioles hoodie. I got an Orioles t-shirt and an Orioles hoodie that have been sitting in the closet for years. Brother Mike McGurk Sr., years. I, they're there. It's on the shelf. I, 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 I turned into a closet fan a long time ago. Who's your favorite baseball team? Oh, Orioles. You know what? A couple months ago, I started wearing my stuff. And I don't know if it's really confident. Expect It may be more natural hope than confident, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to wear it again next year. But you know what? We went through this little, little phase a couple of months ago where, man, we were thinking, we, we might make the play. We, we might make the playoffs. The fact we're even thinking we might. I mean, the bottom line was we should have been happy we were above 500. We're not a losing team. 
But you know what? That didn't pan out quite the way. I'm going to tell somebody today. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. You can have a confident expectation. God is going to bring you through. I want you to stand, please. those of you that know the testimonies you have of the just as ifs the things you can look back at what God already brought you through, what God already did how he already made a way how he brought you through the fire, how he brought you through the lion's den you you can celebrate that rejoice over that, but but let the problem is when we're in it having the faith and the confidence the peace may not feel like it right now it may not seem like it right now but if I will just stay committed, stay yielded to God, there is going to be another just as if testimony in my life I believe I'm preaching to some people and not necessarily that you just showed up today. Some of you have been here, come faithfully, but you've got, you're still wearing some garments that got the mud from the pig pen on them and you're still perceiving yourself as the one that made all the mistakes. Can I tell you, I believe the Holy Ghost would like to put a robe, a new robe, new robe of righteousness on somebody here this morning. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment right where you are, please. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to invite you right now that if you're in dealing with some things, going through some things, that all you can see right now is the struggle. All you can, or, or maybe you're maybe you're just coming out of it, but you're still living under the weight and the cloud of it. I believe the Spirit of God wants to give you the confidence today that you are in the process of getting to the point where it's just as if it never happened. It's just as if you never went through it. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to invite you to come down to this altar because I believe the Spirit of the Lord wants to touch some people right now. As you're coming, there's going to be somebody else that's going to come and join with you and pray with you minister to you as the Lord ministers to you this morning. Come on, I'm not here today to preach to you some kind of frivolous power of positive thinking message. This is not intended to just be some kind of pick-me-up sermon this morning. 
To the best of my ability, I have preached to you the principles and the truth of the Word of God today. And I realize you may not be in a physical fiery furnace and you may not be in a physical lion's den, but I'm preaching to some people today that that's pretty much what like you're going through or what you've been through. And I'm telling you today, God, if you'll just be patient, be not weary in well-doing, if you'll just keep trusting, God is going to bring you to another just as if you would just please keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. I, I, I believe there's some people that, that haven't come to this altar because they're just battling a little bit too much with doubt and fear from the enemy. So maybe if there's somebody by you and you and you know that they may, that the Lord might be trying to minister to them right now, would you just right where they are, just reach over and begin to pray with them right now? In the name of Jesus. Hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning. No, I'm not telling you in just a single moment. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive. I can't tell you that what you're dealing with in just one split second, it's all going to turn around. But I can tell you, if you'll let him work the process, that point will come. Sorrow, hope for this moment, hope for tomorrow. 
By the power of your spirit, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Trust in you and believe you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. 
Jesus' name, God bless you.